All right, everybody will come back in. We'll get ready to start our next session. Somebody let them know out in the lobby that we're about ready to start. Come on in, Kent. <laughs> Hallelujah. Man, it's a great day already. Amen. Hallelujah. I was happy when I came, but I preached myself happier. Glory to God. I'm in the flow. How about you? The flow for the extraordinary. Amen. Amen. Such an honor to have Keith Moore with us today. And uh, it's been a, a joy knowing Keith for many years. His wife, Phyllis, they've been such a blessing to Carolyn and I. And we just always enjoy being around them and have an opportunity to speak with him, speak in different meetings from time to time. We found out a few years ago we're actually cousins by marriage. Um, of course, I'm a Savelle, and I was born in Vicksburg, Mississippi, and Keith is from Philadelphia, Mississippi. But my dad told me all my young life that we have a lot of relatives in Philadelphia, which I had never met, and they were on my grandfather's side. And my, grand, my, my uh, dad told me, that one of my grandfather's brothers decided to change the name and add an E on the end of it and make it Savelle, but those in Philadelphia went by Savel, didn't have an E on the end of it. So one time I was with Keith and I said, uh, did you ever know any Savels in Philadelphia? He said, yeah, my, ma my mama married one. <laughs> and I said, I, I got to talk to your mama. So she was there that night and and got to talk with her, and she started bringing up names. I said, yeah, I remember all those names. My grandfather told me about them. I said, Keith, we're cousins. <laughs> so now we see each other and say, hey, cuz. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I don't mind being cousin with Keith Moore at all. Hallelujah. And not only that, something good did come out of the state of Mississippi. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Let's welcome Brother Keith. Praise God. Aren't we blessed? Yes. Oh, we've heard so many good things and we're built up in our spirit. It really, uh, it's really greater, I believe, than we're aware of. There'll never be another meeting and gathering and group exactly like this at this time. And uh, the Bible said the things that the Lord does, it's forever. What he does is forever. And I'm convinced that, um, you know, some of the greatest miracles you don't see, they happen deep in people's hearts. And uh, the word is incorruptible seed. And um, uh, when the revelation of, of something comes into you, you may not respond at all on the outside that anybody could see. But it begins to, if you hold it and you believe it, it begins to put roots down and it begins to develop up and it changes the way you see things. It changes how you speak and it alters the course of your life so that your path leads to a different place 
over a period of decades, great miracles happen. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> that you don't necessarily, you don't see it at the time that it happens. Praise God. Praise God. Well, let's uh, release faith for uh, this time and, and believe that we hear from him. And, and I'm not just saying that in passing. I mean, God knows your history. He knows where you are. He knows where you need to go. The amazing thing about the Holy Spirit is how he can minister individually to everybody simultaneously. And you, everybody is hearing differently. And uh, the Lord speaks to you. And, and you'll hear what the speaker says but then he's, the Lord's saying things to you about what they're saying, right? It's, it's amazing. And so we're believing for that. Father, in Jesus' name, all of us agree together as touching this, asking you for the anointing, for utterance, for these divine grace deposits and truth impartations, the supply of the Spirit that brings us to the next place that... Um, that enables us to make adjustments that anything that had been a limitation or a hindrance or held us back from receiving, that it be changed so that there's no longer that restriction, no longer that limitation, no longer that lack of understanding or that ignorance or that wrong thinking, but a complete open and receiving and coming up to the next place. We ask for it in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Amen. Amen. So be it. Hallelujah. You can be seated. <clears throat> Thanks be to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. And those people say, well, y'all just, just got a habit of saying that. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, it's, if you don't have it, it's better than the habit you got. <laughs> it's... Um, you know, the Bible said, uh, you know, in everything, give thanks, in all things, give thanks, and give thanks uh, and praise without ceasing. Well, that's, uh, that's what this is, right? I mean, if the conversation lulls, just say, praise God. Thank you, Lord. It's always appropriate. In uh, Matthew, we looked at this a couple of times now. I'm going to look at it again. Matthew 18 and 19. Uh, we spoke about reverence and the presence. Reverence and the presence of the Lord. In Matthew eighteen nineteen, Jesus said, If uh, two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. There is... Uh, Something different that happens when two people genuinely focus their hearts and minds and faith on the same thing. And when, and notice here it said, uh, ask. Don't leave out that part. You haven't done this verse until you ask. Because uh, I know for a while, folks in our circle, uh, some people were kind of in a habit, would come by and, and real quick and say, you know, agree with me about such and such. And they say, okay, I agree with you. And they leave. 
you didn't do that verse. Are y'all with me? You have not because you didn't ask when Scripture says, James says. So uh, you, you must ask. And, and don't tell somebody you're agreeing with them when you're not. Don't do that. If you need to, you, just, you say, well, now, uh, what are we talking about? What are we believing for? What did we ask? Hmm? <clears throat> and if they're explaining it and you don't have a witness about it, just say, well, I, I, I don't see it. I, I, I'm not with you right now. Doesn't mean they, you're not telling them what they can or can't believe for, unless it's just something blatantly contradicting the word. But don't tell somebody that you're agreeing with them in faith and you're not. Uh, the Lord spoke to me some years ago this phrase. He said, Keith, you'll be more effective if you'll be more selective. Talking about both in prayer and in confessions. Don't. You know, don't say things that you don't mean because it hurts your faith. It hurts your faith to pray prayers and they don't come to pass. To say things and they don't come to pass. You don't want to get used to that. Y'all with me okay? You don't want to get used to that. You're better off being more selective. Meditating on it. Checking your heart, praying about it, and only when you got confidence, hmm, then release your faith. And something you're gonna stay with as long as it takes. Right? You did. You didn't just say it off the top of your head. And just because somebody had a wild wild idea and they're not confident enough in their prayer, and they run and finds you and want you to to pray with it, hoping that maybe your faith will carry it. And a lot of times, nobody's in faith. They say, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm agreeing with you. And nobody's in faith. And it doesn't happen. And if that happens again and again and again and again, then the next time you pray, you're not half expecting it because it didn't happen the last five times. Can you see this? <clears throat> Can anybody quote for me Mark eleven twenty three? Come on, help me out. Huh? Help me out. What? Oh, we better put it on the screen. Wow. Yeah, there we go. <clears throat> Whoever will say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, shall believe those things which he saith come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. It didn't say you'd have whatever you said. Hmm? No, if you just pull that out like that and say that, it didn't say that. You got to believe what you say. Is that right? And not doubt it. Are y'all with me? Not doubt it. You got to believe. What you say, which is also why liars cannot be faith people. 
Well, what do you mean, Mother Key? Because you have to believe what you say. And if you're lying part of the time, your own heart knows that at least part of the time, your word's no good. And you don't believe what you say part of the time. One of the most powerful things we have in our life to control our flesh is our word. I've used it on myself when other things weren't working. <laughs> Y'all are quiet. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? All of us have flesh. And all of us have things in our, in our life that have been an issue for us. <laughs> Y'all are quiet. <laughs> Preachers too. And uh, your flesh will want to do things it shouldn't do. Your mind will want to do things, see things, hear things. It shouldn't. Part of the unrenewed mind. Your flesh didn't get born again. Hmm? I know when I am. When I first, uh, uh, the Lord dealt with me about going into the ministry. Actually, I didn't know I was going into the ministry until after I'd been to Rama for a year. I, you, you say, what? Yeah, I actually, they asked me to speak over Christmas break uh, when I went back home at a denominational church. And I was driving through town on Saturday and I heard on the radio, they announced, come here, Reverend Moore at such and such church on Sunday morning. I about ran off the road. I thought, Reverend Moore, I'm a preacher. Now, you, that, that may sound crazy to you, but I thought I would just come and learn some things and go back and help my church and help my pastor. I was not, I wasn't a preacher in my mind. <laughs> but prior to that, uh, I I grew up Around uh, my dad smoked cigars, and so uh, I and my my grandfather used tobacco, and my great grandfather grew his own tobacco and smoked a pipe, and so I liked tobacco, and I enjoyed the smell of cigars. <laughs> I did. Well, my dad, my dad smoked, and I thought my dad hung the moon. And, um, and so to me, I had memories, good memories, that were associated with cigar smoke. I know that sounds strange, but I did. And so part of the requirements for going to Rama is you couldn't use tobacco in any form. And so I... Um, Y'all are looking at me straight. <laughs> I I thought, well, you know, okay, I can I can quit. It's no problem, you know. But I'd quit a little while and I'd pick it up again. I'd quit a little while and pick it up again. And uh, my intentions were good, but my it was something my flesh wanted that I was used to. And the Lord helped me to see. Uh, Based on this principle here, 
that I, uh, what to do about it. Two things. In, in Philippians, in fact, just turn there. Man, I didn't intend to talk about this, but, but here we are. <laughs> Go to Philippians. This will change your life. I, I know it from experience. In Philippians, the uh, let's see. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Where is it? Y'all help me out, scriptorians. Uh, um, the Lord's working, works into me to will and do of all his good pleasure. Thank you. That's it. That's it. I was right on top of it. Um, this verse plus my words could help me to overcome this. Because I had stopped and started and stopped and started and stopped and started. And I was going to have to sign this form that I was not going to use tobacco in any form uh, to go be a, a student at Rama, And I knew I, I wasn't quite ready to do that. And so, you know, this is where a lot of times people start arguing going, well, where does it say, thou shalt not smoke? But, but the question is, are you going to love smoking more than you do serving God? Right? Are you going to let something like this prevent you from following the plan of God? And so the Lord dealt with me. Pray this prayer over yourself and confess it over yourself. Philippians 2. Verse 13, y'all with me? Everybody got your eyes on it? For it is God which works in you both, everybody say both. both, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, if your heart's right, whatever pleases him is what you want to do, right? If it pleases him... But the fact is, there's some things that your flesh wants to do that doesn't please him. And there's some things that please him that your flesh won't want to do. <laughs> I don't care who you are. This is true with everybody, somewhere, some situation. And so there are times when part of your unrenewed being, your unsaved, your body didn't get saved, your mind's still being renewed, part of you wants to do something that's not pleasing to God. And even when part of you wants to do the displeasing thing, you can ask God to work in you to will to do it. Even before you want to do it. Come on, can you see that? You can release faith and, and, and say, Lord, I'm willing to be willing. <laughs> right? I'm not there right now. 
Part of me wants to do it, but I'm asking you, work in me. Oh, come on, saints. Work in me to will and to do it. Come on, can you see that? He will work in you, help you get to the place where you want to do it and will to do it and help you to actually do it. Is this good or what? I mean, this is... And this, this is the kind of thing anybody needs with any kind of addiction. Any kind of addiction. Drug, alcohol, shopping, food. Now you're laughing, you're laughing, but it's a problem. People spend all kind of money they don't have on junk they don't even use. Trying to fill a hole inside their, their self. It's a problem. And hate herself because of it. And then turn around and go do it again. Addiction is the same no matter what you're talking about. It's something that you're letting control you. So the Lord said, do, do, do these two things he showed me. And this is one of the first things I learned about walking by faith. Ask me. Get in faith about this. Be willing to be willing. Even, even if you're not quite there, are you willing to be willing? And then ask for his help. He gives grace to the humble. Right? If you try to act like you don't have an issue, well, you're going to be in trouble. You're not going to get any help. But you humble yourself in front of him, before him. Ask him. And then he said this. He said, your word, he took me to James. So turn over there. I know you know this. We're not talking about knowing it. We're talking about doing it. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> Acting on it. <laughs> James 3.2. Oh, thank you, Lord. There's answers here right now. Glory to God. Some folks are going get, to get free from some things. Hallelujah. Some folks in the room. And you're going to help some of your people get free from some things. Praise God. Further. Glory to God. In the near future and in days to come. Uh, three, two. He said, if in many things we offend all, all of us have missed it. But if any man offend not in word. In your words, what you say, the same as a perfect, we could say fully developed man, and able to what? Able to bridle, or you could say control, bridle, steer, because he uses, uh, you know, the bridle and the rudder, we'd probably say steering wheel today. Able to steer or control the whole body. If you control what you say, you can control your whole body. Is that right? If any man offend not in word, the same is a, is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole uh, body. Now, there's multiple applications of this. I talk about the first one. Um, in healing school some years ago, that's actually decades ago now. Uh, time flies when you're having fun. Huh? Uh, 
young man came to me and said, Brother Keith, a young man, he was middle-aged. He said, uh, I've been smoking for uh, since he was a boy. And he said, uh, I just, uh, what, what do you keep saying? I, uh, I can't quit. I'm addicted to nicotine. That's what he kept saying. I'm addicted to nicotine. He said, I've tried. People have prayed for me. I've had hands laid on me, but I'm addicted to nicotine. He must have said it 10 times while we were talking. I'm, I'm addicted to nicotine. Well, having, you know, teaching on these things, my ears are tuned to that kind of thing. I noticed it the first time I said it and winced, you know. I think, mm, don't say that, <laughs> you know, don't say that. But that's not the only thing that's going on here. It's not just legally making the right confession. You don't just have what you say. You got to believe what you say and not doubt. Right? And uh, so uh, he went on and he must have said 10, 12 times, I'm addicted to nicotine. I've tried. I've thrown cigarettes away. I've been prayed for. I've had hands laid on me. I I chew the gum. I wore the patch. uh, And go back and buy more cigarettes. He said, I, I, I can't quit. I can't quit. I'm, I'm addicted to nicotine. I'm addicted to it. And um, he said, uh, I said, I can help you. For sure. He said, well, you going to pray for me? And he said, I, I, don't tell me to throw them away. I've already thrown them away. I said, I'm, I'm not going to do either one. I'm not going to do either one. And he said, uh, well, what? I said, um, Never again say, I'm addicted to nicotine. Never. Treat it like cuss words. Right? And we're not playing. I said, if you're not serious about this, no need me finishing the conversation. I said, never again say it. But say this. I am free from cigarettes. I'm free from smoking. I'm free from nicotine. He said, well, what about smoking? I said, well, every time you open a pack of cigarettes, you say, thank you, Lord. I'm free from smoking. I said, when you light one up, you say, thank you, Lord. I'm free from nicotine. He said, huh? (laughs) I said, in between puffs, you say, thank you, Lord. I'm free from cigarettes. <laughs> he said, but I'll be smoking. I said, you're already smoking. He said, well, yeah. <laughs> I said, will you do it? He said, what? What? I said, it's easy. Let's go back up. You buy a carton of cigarettes. You leave in the store. What do you say? Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I'm free from smoking or nicotine. I'm thank you, Lord. I'm free. Thank you, Lord. I'm free. It's based on truth. Like He has delivered me from all the power of darkness, right? And I said, uh, you, you you put a pack in your pocket. What do you say? Thank you, Lord, for setting me free. I thank you, Lord. I'm free. 
from cigarettes. I say, you pull it out and put it on your nightstand or wherever at night. You, you say what? You say, well, I guess I say, thank you, Lord. I say, that's what you say every time. Well, uh, days and weeks passed and he came back in. I saw him at the back of the, uh, must have been about three and a half weeks or so. He came in the back of the room. I didn't even have to ask. His face was lit up. Yeah, like he couldn't wait to see me. And he came to see me. He said, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, Brother Keith. I said, what? He said, uh, I thought it was strange, but you said. He said, but I did it. And I did it. And it was almost a month, you know. And he said, uh, at the end of uh, three or so weeks, he said, I had done it so much. I'm saying it without thinking. Thank you, Lord. For I'm free from cigarettes. Thank you, Lord. I'm free from cigarettes. He said, I was standing on the corner. And uh, uh, I started to, to get a cigarette, and I said, thank you, Lord, I'm free. He said, something happened to me. He said, something happened to me. He said, I looked at it, and I didn't want it. Working in you to will and to do. Oh, come on, say glory to God. To will and to do. He said, I didn't even want it. He said, I threw it away. I hadn't had one since. I don't want one. He said, I'm free. I'm free. Glory to God. Glory to God. So that's one application of your words. Another application is this. If you've stopped something and started again, stop something and started again, you Get away from it for a little while and then you yield to it again. It's yielding. One of the most powerful things you have is what I've already mentioned to you. Faith in asking him to work in you, to will and do of his good pleasure. But then secondly, your word. If you control your word, you're able to control your whole body. And the Lord showed me what to do on that with me, uh, that thing, before I, I went to Ramah. He said, You're, where's your confidence in what you can say? I'm not going to do this. And if your confidence is not to say it forever, say it for this period of time. The important thing is you do not say something you don't believe. And you keep your word. If your word is not good before God, you'll not be able to walk by faith. Because you have to believe what you say. Am I quoting Mark eleven twenty three? Yes. You got to be able. To, you got to believe that what you say, not believe what God says. You got to believe what you say comes to pass, and you'll have what you said that you believe. You got to believe, and so you have to stop being a liar. This is one of the biggest issues. Of being a man or woman of faith, your word has to be good. Yes, you settle on that his word is good. And notice, how often do you hear a phrase that something is impossible to God to do? I mean, that's a rare phrase to hear that something is impossible for God to do. But he makes it very clear it is impossible for him to lie. Right? Why? Because if he lied once, 
once. The enemy could torment us incessantly about trying to stand on his word. Can you see this? That it might not, he might not be true. Might not. Might not. Now we have failed and come short on our word. But if you're going to grow up and be like Jesus, your word must become a word of integrity. If you're going to live and walk by faith, then your word has to mean something. Do you remember the Bible says in James, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. That goes together. Submit yourself to God, then resist the devil. Why? Because if you're yielding to the devil and you go to resist the devil, he knows he doesn't have to listen to you because you're listening to him. Can you see this? He knows he doesn't have to yield to you because you're yielding to him. But in submitting to God, you give God his place over you. Hallelujah. You take your place under him. It puts you in a position to force the devil to take his place under your feet. Hallelujah. He knows it. That's why when you actually do it, he runs. He, he, he's out. He flees. He, he knows. He, he, he has nothing to resist you with. Which is why he's tempting all the time, trying to get you to yield to him. Then he knows he doesn't have to yield to you. And one of the biggest, one of the worst mistakes you can make, period, in life. Is to tell a lie. Why why do you say that, Brother Keith? It is the language the devil fathered. God hates it. It is the replacement for the truth. It is allowing something from the devil... To replace in your life God's truth. When, the, when you hear the truth, it's not always flattering to you. <laughs> when you hear the truth, it's not always what you want to do. What your flesh wants to do. But if you don't like the truth and your part of you doesn't want to hear the truth, what else is there? If you don't want the truth and, and if you pause and you hear the truth and it's time to humble yourself and go, well, hey, the truth is the truth, right? We got to make some changes here. But if you don't want the truth and you hesitate and you go, mm, I don't like that, then the devil immediately comes and says, well, I got something else for you. I got something. You don't like the truth. I got, I got lies, 31 flavors. What, what do you want? (laughs) 
I got lies galore. <laughs> Here you go. And if you're in a situation where you'd either be embarrassed or it's going to cost you for the truth to come out about you and somebody asks you something point blank and you don't want to tell the truth, it's going to make you look bad, might cause you to lose your job, might cause somebody to leave you. Then what? If you if you, are, you think I, I can't I can't tell the truth, you shouldn't have a choice in your mind. There shouldn't be any other options or alternatives to the truth. But if you if you think, uh, I, what else can I say? Immediately, immediately, the devil's right there. Tell him this. And if you yield to it, you're in cooperation with the enemy of God and the enemy of your soul. And it doesn't end. Your heart will continue. That undermines your faith. It gets worse the longer it goes. You know what I'm talking about. Hmm? So people laugh. It starts so young. Little ones. Two years old. You hear the cookie jar rattle. You go in the kitchen. The jar's on crooked. There's crumbs all over the counter. There's chocolate on the little one's face. You, you been in the cookies? No. It ain't funny. I said it's not funny. The devil is trying to ruin this child's life. You laughing now. You won't be laughing when they're 16. You ask them, did you get money out of my purse? And they say no, and they did. That's where it starts. Now, you don't overreact. You don't do something crazy. But you help them to see this is not okay. And you teach them how to resist the temptation to tell a lie. That it, you, you let it be known, this is serious. Very, very serious. We don't lie. So then they must not hear you answer the phone and, and say they're not here when they are here. I can't come, I'm sick, and you're not sick. Come on y'all with me. They, they, you do that, and what you're saying makes no difference. They'll do what you do. <clears throat> so, one of the big characteristics and qualities about God, He is light. And in Him is... It, it, those words in that phrase, if you've looked them up, it, 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 the, the, the meaning is not any at all. Darkness, not any at all, no particle of darkness is in him. He is truth. It is impossible for him to be a partner to any degree of grayness, 
or deception or misrepresentation. He, he cannot be, will not be, no matter how much he loves you, he will not participate with you in any degree of phoniness or deception or lying. He hates it. God hates lies. Why? They are dis- lies are destroying lives all over this planet right now. If the truth will make you free, what will lies do to you? It puts you in bondage. What is deception? Deception is believing a lie is true. If you believe this is true, you can't even find the answer because you think you got the answer. You should hate it. I should hate it. Do you hate lies? I didn't say you hate liars. We hate lying. We hate lies. Come on, somebody say that loud. I love the truth. And I hate a lie. You need to be strong about it. You need to be very strong. The scripture says, you know, in, in Thessalonians that uh, people didn't receive the love of the truth. And because of that, they believe a lie and become condemned. I love the truth more than I love anything or anybody, including myself, period. Well, I thought we were supposed to love Jesus. That's what I said. He is the way, the truth. Come on, kid. They're supposed to love the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of truth. They're supposed to love the word. That's what I said. The word's called the word of truth. Somebody say truth. Truth, truth, truth. Truth. Our churches are the ground and pillar of the truth. Nothing is a worse misrepresentation of the Lord than deceivers calling themselves Christians. Why am I talking about all, about all this? I'm talking about one of the strongest weapons we have at our disposal to control our flesh. It's our word. But it's only effective if we love the truth and refuse to lie. It, it's only effective if you will not lie. And the Lord dealt with me about that. If you don't have confidence to say, well, I'm never going to do this again, you're better off not saying it than saying it and not doing it. Hmm? Then use you. Use your word. If your flesh is out of control, keep yielding, keep yielding, keep yielding. Pray that prayer, Lord, work in me to will. I'm willing to be willing and to do. And then release your faith and say, by the grace of God, I'm not going to do this for the next three months. Next six months, whatever it is. You understand what I'm saying? Why would you, why wouldn't you just say forever? Where's your confidence at? Where's your faith at? 
But then if your word is good, and that's what I did on the, on the smoking thing. I said, you know, by the grace of God, I'm not going to use any tobacco for the next three months. I say it before you, Lord. I give you my word. Well, if I have any integrity about me, I'd die before I'd lie to God. Are y'all with me now? Do you see what a powerful thing this can be? If your flesh wants something, even you could use the word love something, how, how can you overcome it? Only one way. You love something else more. You love somebody else. Come on, can you see this? More. So when my, my flesh started yelling for that, I can't even consider it. Are y'all with me? I can't, I can't even look at it. I can't even consider it. Why? I gave my word. I gave my word. Hallelujah. Three months turned into a year. Hallelujah. Turned into decades until now. Hallelujah. Don't need it. Don't want it. But I needed something to help, help break me out of it. Right? Something because I kept, kept going back to it. Kept going back to it. Even though I thought, well, I'm not, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. And then I did. Everybody's done this with something. No exceptions. Everybody has done this. You, am I telling the truth? But if you lie, uh, go, go to Ephesians. <laughs> Who did not intend on this? <laughs> Ephesians four. Ephesians four. Verse 21, if so be that you have heard Jesus, him, and have been taught by him as the truth. Everybody say the truth, the truth. The truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. He's writing to Christians, isn't he? He's writing to tongue talkers. He is. Born again. Tongue-talking believers with the gifts of the Spirit operating in their life. The saints at Ephesus. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man, which after God's created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore putting away lying. Would you need to write to Christians and tell them to quit lying? Hmm? Putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. When you lie to a brother or sister, you're really lying to yourself. Because we're all part of the same body, he says. And be angry, but sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Read that verse again, verse 25. Said out loud, putting away lying. Speak every man truth 
with his neighbor. The enemy counts on this to get a place and get a hold in lives. When you tell a lie, and we've all done it, hopefully not recently, but you've yielded to it, whether it was years ago or decades ago or whatever. So you shouldn't be judgmental about somebody else doing it because you've done it. Like I said, hopefully a long time ago. But One of the things the Lord helped me with so much was uh, when I was 16, my dad gave me his car. I did good in school. I didn't cause him any trouble. And he had a 1970 Mustang, the one you see in the pictures, yellow with the black stripes, standard transmission. He gave me that car. Oh, man. (laughs) And the requirements he gave me was that I don't drink. And drive. And, uh, you know, what's a kid going to say? <laughs> sure. Right? I mean, yeah. No, yeah, no problem. Right. Yeah, yeah. And um, guess what I did? I mean, that was all fine good for a few months. And then I was out with the boys one Saturday night. They're all drinking beer. I drank some beer. I came in, and uh, when I walked in the door, he looked at me, and I knew that he knew. And he could probably smell it on me, too. He didn't even speak to me. For three days. And I am so glad. And I know he, he, he didn't know a lot about the things of God at that point. But I, looking back now, the Lord moved on him like this to help establish in me the seriousness of lying. And, and I, uh, I was I don't know, 15, 16, whatever it was. And, you know, of course, you want to be a man, act like a man. But I, when I saw him three days later, we were out at the barnyard to do something. And, and uh, I looked at him. He looked at me and kind of looked down. I broke down and started crying. I said, Daddy, I'm sorry. I lied to you. He looked at me. He said, boy, your words, you borrowed. That's who you are. That's what you are. I cried again. He hugged me. Hallelujah. <laughs> but it, it imprinted something in me. Hmm? That lying is one of the worst things 
any human being can do. You compromise your own being. You yield to the devil and ask for his language and thoughts. You ask for his cooperation to help you deceive people that love you. The enemy, what's he doing every day of our life? Trying to trick us, trying to deceive us. And then we're going to join him in helping to deceive people we love? It is an ultimate betrayal. And yet people act like, well, you know, you know, a little lie here and there. I guess everybody lies. It is one of the most serious things there is. And God, have you read uh, the scriptures? God hates it. He hates it. If he hates it, we should hate it. Is that right? And absolutely give it no place, zero place in our lives. Come on, somebody say, I love the truth. I love the truth. Above everything, Above everything. And, everyone. and everyone. And I hate a lie. I despise it. Now, if somebody tells you a lie, that doesn't mean you write them off. It's not the unpardonable sin. God forgives all sin, but it should be serious with you. Right? I tell my staff, I tell, uh, you know, anybody that works with us, you know, we love you. I'll help you any way that I can. About the worst thing you could do with me is lie to me. Hmm? I don't care if you broke the car, if you run over my dog. Come on, y'all listening? <laughs> and that's a bad one, ain't it? What do you do? What do you do? Come help me. What? Huh? If you burn down the office building, come on, help me out. What do you do? Why? Because God gives grace. To the humble, if you'll humble yourself and acknowledge the truth, I don't care how bad you messed up. Will God forgive you? He will. But if you cover your sins, the Bible said you will not prosper. But if you'll confess it and forsake it, you'll find mercy. You'll get mercy. You'll get grace to help. Well, God's our example. You can't find a better example to follow. We should be like him. Right? You try to lie to us, you try to hide from us, it ain't going to go well. We'll get hard. You understand what I mean by that? You genuinely humble yourself. Tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you God. (laughs) Should be time for grace. Right? And mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if you, if you lie, and then, you know, trying to cover the lie, people wind up telling more lies. It becomes such a tangled mess. And what it is, is it, it's access for the enemy. It is an access point for numerous sicknesses and diseases. Because it's something, if you don't confess it and deal with it and get free from it, it just 
stews. It, it just gets worse. It just sits there. And even if people don't know it, there's something between you and them. Even if they don't know what it is or they can't put their finger on it, it's something there. It prevents closeness. Love and trust is not the same thing. Hmm? Not the same thing at all. We owe people love. Remember that? Romans 13 talks about that. Don't have to owe anybody anything except to love them. We owe you love. I don't owe you trust. Hmm? People say, well, if you love me, you have to trust me. Absolutely not. No. And if you try to trust people that are lying to you, you're just being a fool. Just foolish. Hmm? I trust God. 100%. Anything he says. Right? Why? He has never lied to me and he never will. It's actually impossible. Hallelujah. Do you want to be like God? You want to be like God? This is one of the biggest ways you can be like God. Is that you love the truth. Truth is your core. Hallelujah. It's your being. Thank you, Lord. And that you'll, you'd pay whatever price. A man of God, a woman of God, like the psalmist talks about, you'll swear to your own hurt. And not change to keep your word. And if it costs you to tell the truth, then it costs you. Get rid of these phrases like, don't make me lie to you. Huh? <laughs> don't make me tell a lie. This ain't funny. Lying is not an option. No matter the circumstance, you need to get to the point where you would not lie to save your life, nor the lives of your loved ones. Why would you say something like that? Because if, you, if there's still some instance in which you think it's acceptable to use a lie, then it'll spread out from there. Right? If it's okay to use it under dire circumstances, you'll use it under lesser circumstances because it is permissible. I'll, I'll get forgiveness later. They can't handle the truth. I don't want to hurt them with the truth. See, you think it's an option. Yielding to the enemy is an option. I've had preachers look me right in the face and lie to me. Well, can you do that without it affecting your relationship? You can't. You still love them. But what happened? It destroyed some trust. Right? Even if you want to trust them. You know Hmm? Love and trust are not the same thing. 
Trust is established on something you know. You trust what you know. You trust what is proven. Right? And if somebody has messed up really bad, it can be fixed. Right? Over time, they prove to you. They don't lie to you again. That can be put in the past. Right? Now they've become a person whose word's a word of integrity. If that's you, you can become a person, word of integrity. Hmm? Hallelujah. But when you have a word of truth, you've got a weapon that is so powerful, you can control your whole body. You can control every aspect of every appetite. You can control every feeling, every nuance. It gets serious enough, you know what to do. You can put your word on it. You can release your word, right? And you say it before the Lord, and it's done. He commanded, and it was done. Hallelujah. We're, we're to, to act like him, to be imitators of God, right? As dear children. And you, you develop in this your word begins to carry more weight. It begins to carry more power. And not only can you speak and stop things concerning appetites or activities in your life, but you can start speaking to organs, speaking to body parts. Come, can you see this? But see, when you lie half the time, you have no confidence when you speak to things. You're trying to overcome all of that condemnation. And condemnation is the confidence killer. Which is why the enemy, the enemy's not trying to get us to sin, just to go goody, goody, see there, got you to sin. No, he's after something else. He's after completely robbing us of our faith. And if, if we're faithless, we are no threat to him at all. No matter how much anointing you have on you. Because faith is the fuse that releases anointing. You can have all kind of amazing call and anointing on your life, but if something happens that your faith is, is undermined, there'll be no manifestation of the anointing. Amen. Uh, <laughs> go to First John, please. I had a real good message here. Maybe another time. Yeah, this is good too. First John 3. Condemnation is the confidence killer. Condemnation absolutely will pull the, the rug, so to speak, out from under your faith. Which is why, if you miss it, you want to immediately deal with it. Some have tried to say, well, you know, since Jesus already paid for all of our sins, 
past, present, and future, then repentance is not required because it's already done. It is already done, but that idea is reasoning. It's not revelation, and it's not right. And you'll find when a doctrine is wrong, different passages of Scripture won't agree with it. So people have to try to find, figure out what to do with that, that passage. Like First John. One nine. Hmm? Confess your sin, and he's faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. People try to say, well, that's, that's not for a believer. It absolutely is. The whole epistle is to believers. Come on. Can you read? Well, yeah, but if Jesus has already paid to the price for all, all of our sins, then, then it's already done. It's not already received. All that God has done, all of his grace, is a gift. Anything you call grace is a gift. The only gifts you experience or enjoy are the ones you receive. The only ones, the only grace you experience is the grace you receive. And it's not about trying to get Jesus to do something else about your sin. It is already done. It's not trying to get the Father to do something else about it. But if you violate light, your heart condemns you. And you got to do something about your own heart. Can you see this, friend? No, Jesus doesn't need to go back to the cross. No, the Father's not holding it against you. No. But how do you get rid of that self-condemnation? Are, are you there in, in, in 1 John 3? 1 John three nineteen. Hereby know that we are what? Of the truth. And shall assure our hearts before him. For if, this is conditional, if our heart condemns us, who's condemning us? Not God. God's not condemning us. Jesus is not condemning us. The Father's not condemning us. The Holy Spirit is not condemning us. Sometimes you hear people say, you know, well, I got in that meeting and now, some of those things came up, and well, the Spirit of God really condemned me about some things. He did not. He did not. He convicts. That's not the same thing as condemned. He, he convinces. He convinces you of the light and truth. If in the light you have violated light, your own heart will condemn you. Because of what the light you've been shown. That's not God condemning you. That's your own heart. Can you see that? If our heart, what's condemning you? Your own heart. God's greater than our heart, knows all things. What does that mean? He already knows about it. Run to him. Don't run from him. Don't, don't go around all day and night or a week or two with condemnation. Feeling bad, upset, blaming yourself, all that. Quit that. He wants you to run right to him. Deal with this. How do you deal with it? You got, you have to acknowledge it. That's what confess means. Confess it. 
What does that mean? I missed it. I knew not to do that. And I did it. I, I, I knew I should have done it. And I didn't do it. Why? Well, if you're not even going to acknowledge it, you're not going to receive anything for something you're not acknowledging. Come on, can you see this? You're not going to get rid of this self-condemnation. So what do you do? Let's say you told a lie. What do you do? You run to the Father. Your heart bothers you about it. You need to repent to the Father. You need to repent to the person you lied to. Hmm? I mean, if you catch yourself in mid-conversation and you say something you shouldn't have said, trying to impress somebody, trying to leave the wrong, wrong impression, trying to make yourself look good, cover, keep yourself from looking bad, whatever it is, and you catch yourself, you say, excuse me, excuse me, what, you know that thing I just told you, yeah, that was a lie. <laughs> now listen, don't sugarcoat it, don't make excuses for it. No, I didn't mean to tell a lie, but you know, no, you either meant to or you didn't. We're not talking about making a mistake. That's not lying. Saying something wrong, but you you thought it was right. That's not trying to deceive somebody. No, you purposely tried to deceive. You you need to call it. And you may say, well, man, they they may not have much confidence in me. They know they themselves have done something like that. Hmm? And they could even respect it. Now, if you have to do it every day, that's going to get old. Right? You'll get, they'll get the idea they can't trust you. But um, you run to God. You say, Father, I, I said that. I shouldn't have said that. And um, I, I ask you to forgive me. I know you said you do. And are, are you listening to this next part? I receive. Forgiveness. Hmm? I receive. We, we're talking about what Jesus has already done. I receive total forgiveness. I receive complete cleansing. I receive the righteousness of Christ. Hallelujah. And he said the Father is what? He's faithful and just. Is that right? To receive what we're giving him. And if you do it in faith, the condemnation will leave you. Hebrews says the blood of bulls and goats couldn't do that. All it could do was cover it until another year. But the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb, has the power to cleanse the conscience. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm talking about something that 20,000 hours of counseling cannot touch. Every kind of drug or alcohol cannot touch, cannot phase any amount of good works and trying to do, cannot fix the blood. Oh, the blood can cleanse your conscience. So you have no more conscience of sin. And you see this next part is the result. If our heart condemn us, God's greater than our heart. He knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence. Come on, can you see why I said condemnation is the confidence killer? Yes. 
Confidence is another word for faith. It's the confidence of things hoped for. One translation said. If our heart condemns us not, then what? You got no condemnation. And with no condemnation, your confidence level just comes, just comes right up. <laughs> and whatever we ask, we receive. Ooh, somebody say, whatever, whatever, whatever we ask. That, that's when you come boldly, right up to the throne of grace with no sense of inferiority or shame or guilt at all. Heart's not condemning about anything at all. And you get your grace and you get your help in the time of need, which includes overcoming any addiction. Right? Can we see what we're talking about? Any, any, any issue, any failure, any repeated sin or shortcoming. Hallelujah. Can you say glory to God? Glory to God. Glory to God. Stand on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. Give Him thanks. Give Him glory. He is the truth. Thank you, Lord, that you are truth, that you are perfect, perfect truth. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust you completely without any idea that you would ever deceive us. It's impossible for you to lie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you are who you are. You are what you are. We can trust you completely without any fear. We do. Let me lead you in a prayer. Sit out loud, Father God. Father God. I, choose I choose the love of the truth. I agree with you, and I hate lies. I despise deception. I refuse to use it, or yield to it, or have a part with it. I receive as a pillar in my being to tell the truth only. To either be quiet or speak truth. And speaking the truth in love, I'm growing up in you. I'm developing into the full measure of the stature of Christ. Thank you for setting a watch. At the door of my lips. Ere I begin to say. A falsehood. Arrest me. Check me. Help me to realize. What's going on. And by your grace. I will stop. I'll repent as needed. I'll confess as needed. The truth. And the truth makes me free. Hallelujah.
you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Now, uh, just with eyes closed, please, nobody looking around. Any mistakes that have been made in the past, I, even if it was this morning, that's the past. Today's a new day, and His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Receive His forgiveness and cleansing, and don't let one bit, one vestige of uh, condemnation hang on to you. But also be willing, anybody else that you need to make things right with, to do that too. But say it right now, Father God, thank you for your graciousness. I receive complete forgiveness. I receive total cleansing from everything, every failure, every mistake, every violation of light, every sin. I receive complete cleansing and washing by the blood of the Lamb. I receive total righteousness in Christ. Hallelujah. 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 And I have no condemnation in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Oh, lift your hands and thank Him again. Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. What an awesome word that is. Do you receive that word this morning? You know, the word of God. You know, it causes us to be fully equipped and thoroughly furnished for every good work. Amen. Oh, man, just equipping us fully furnished for every good work. See, the the messages that we're hearing today through Dr. Savelle and yesterday through Dr. Savelle and and Brother Keith Moore is to cause us to be thoroughly furnished. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Just say, I'm coming up higher. Because I have a great call upon my life. I was created for impact and influence. I am thoroughly furnished. Because the word that I'm hearing this week. In Jesus name. Give him a shout of praise. Amen. Thank you father for your word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you father. Amen. And what a great morning we've had. Uh, and we're about to dismiss and go next door and, and have a meal together. But also, like I said in the break, if you have a highlighted badge, uh, it means you're alumni. So we, we're so grateful for ministers that are connected with us. And we're so grateful for our alumni. Amen. 
Amen. We're so grateful. So, so today on a Friday for lunch, we, uh, Dr. Savelle likes to just say something over our alumni. So we want them to go through the line first and we want to make sure at least all our alumni are in the front part of the room. There's plenty of seating for everyone. Um, but anyway, just, we just thank you, every single one of you for, for being a part of this great meeting and believing in this ministry. And let, let us pray over their food today. Father, we just thank you for this, for the word that we received today. And we thank you, Father, for the fellowship that we're about to partake in. Father, we receive the food that we're about to receive. We call it blessed to our bodies. We thank you that it strengthens us and empowers us and equips us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. God bless. We'll see you next door.